All right, all right. Um, so let me just uh, give you kind of the genesis for today. Um, you know, right now, uh, as far as where God has me personally, is that um, like I believe that God desires to speak to each and every one of us. Like, there's nothing special about standing behind this podium that says God can only speak to people behind a podium or in certain positions. But that, like, as long as we have a relationship with Him, we have the ability to hear His voice. And so, um, you know, that it's, it's such a broad topic when you begin to talk about hearing God's voice. You know, it's simple on one hand to understand just that sentence alone, like to hear God's voice. It's simple to understand it on the outside, but then once you start diving into that, it really is just an unbelievable thing because God doesn't speak the same way to every single person. And then he can speak in multiple ways to the same person. So you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's just a broad, broad subject. And so God has just... Uh, taking me on a personal journey um, and just learning more about listening to his voice. And, you know, in the church setting, you hear words like the prophetic and you hear words of like dreams and interpretations and you hear those kinds of things when it comes to hearing God's voice. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, sometimes uh, when we talk about the prophetic, it becomes a little... Uh, mysterious you know you hear that word and it's like oh what's that you know like we're going to tell us about the future and all this kind of stuff but it's simply just hearing God's voice and allowing him to speak the reality of heaven and the reality of what is in our future and pulling it into our present I mean that's what it is in in a in a cliff note version definition whatever you want to call it and so in going through this process, like, I've just really been asking God, like, speak to me. And I feel in this journey, there's a couple of things that I've learned. And one of which is this, is that God is speaking all of the time. It's just a matter of not if we're listening. And so, like, he's truly speaking to us every minute of the day. And, I mean, I'm not going to go into all of those ways, and I'm not going to go into a ton of Scripture about proving that point, but Scripture says that even creation speaks of who He is. So when we walk outside and we see the trees and we see the God's creation, this earth that we live on, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it speaks of who He is. It speaks to us. I mean, if you've ever been to the beach and you just look out into the horizon and you're just like, how did this get here? I mean, there's just no other explanation but to say, man, God. You know, we've had a couple families in here that have been to the Grand Canyon this summer. You know, and it's like if you've ever had the, the, the ability to go out and see that. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times in my life. And when I stand on the rim and I look out, it's just like, my goodness. It's like, God, okay? And it's because creation speaks of who he is. Now, he can speak to us in impressions. You know, as far as like, you know, we, we talk about our conscious, right? Like that little voice on the inside. 
you know, there are times where there's an impression that we get and, it, and, and you just know, for those of us that have that relationship with God, there are times where you just know that's not you, right? You just know that's not you that could have that impression or that thought. That's God speaking to you. It can happen in a dream. It can happen in a vision. It can happen all sorts of ways. But God speaks all of the time. And so for me, I have just been trying to uh, position myself to uh, allow my ears to be a little bit more open to hearing Him at all times. Now, that doesn't mean that I go off and be super spiritual. And like, if I get an extra mint at Sonic in the bag, that means, God. oh man, God's speaking to me. What does two peppermints mean in my bag? You know, I mean, I'm not going to that extreme. But what I'm saying is, is that God does choose to speak to us at all times. Now, I said all that to say this, is that for this message today, the Lord had been stirring something on the inside of me uh, throughout this week, and then I felt uh, led to come up here this morning and just be in the sanctuary by myself early this morning and just start praying, and just God just was here. I mean, He was already here. I mean, before I even stepped foot into the sanctuary, He was already here. Before you got here, He was already here. And in just during that time, God was just uh, uh, basically reaffirming the, 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 the message that He had already began to speak to me. And it was just an awesome, awesome time. But you know what? I would not have gotten to that place this morning if I wasn't tuning my ear into hearing Him. Now, I'm not up here to toot my own horn and try to, like, whatever. I'm just trying to give you my personal, where I'm at in my journey, my testimony, because I want you to have the same the same types of things happening where God is impressing things on you, speaking to you, and you begin to find Him in some of the common places in your life because now you're actually looking for it, you're expecting it to happen, and you believe that God is going to speak to you. So, in that, this is the word that I kept getting over and over and over. It was the word persistence. Persistence. Somebody say persistence. Man, y'all sound good this morning. Now, I love definitions. I love the dictionary. It's one of my favorite books. It's awesome. Because sometimes I believe that we say words and we don't actually know what they mean. We think they, that we know what they mean, but we don't actually know what they mean. And so this word persistence, when I began to look that up, and, and these were the definitions that were given. Uh, persisting. Now, that is just an unbelievable finding, isn't it? Um, especially in spite of opposition, obstacles, and discouragement. Now, that's where it gets really good. Because persistence means that you're going to continue to fight. You're going to continue to go in that direction despite maybe facing opposition, facing obstacles, facing discouragement. Because how many of you know that when you start pursuing God, you start pursuing the good things in life, that he leads you to that it's not just you're going to just walk your way into it and nothing's going to happen like you've just got a clear path to it it doesn't happen that way throughout your journey getting to what god has promised there will always be opposition obstacles and discouragement but it's the persistence that you need to get through those things so that you can attain the promise that he has for you it also means a lasting or enduring 
lasting or enduring tenaciously. I like that word. Tenacious. Tenacity. It just sounds good. And then constantly repeated, continued. Now, how many of you have kids that are persistent? Okay, got a couple of you. I hear some of that, uh, like either laugh or whatever, because you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, a lot of us have had kids in this place, and we know what a persistent child can be at times. Well, let me just tell you a little story of my own. Um, so my daughter, uh, um, during the school year, she is the first one to get home. And so, like, she'll be home alone for about 30 minutes or so, okay? So, like, for us, we felt like this was a good time because we don't have a home phone that we would get her a phone. So that way she could at least text us to let us know that she's okay in the house, that kind of stuff, right? Well, so from the time that we uh, made that happen, uh, our son Gavin, uh, he got jealous, and my seven-year-old Gavin says, I need a phone. And I'm like, no, you do not. Okay? You are not getting a phone. It's just not happening. So we decided, what's the next best thing? We get him a little Samsung tablet for Christmas. Okay? He can play all the games that he wants to play. It's awesome, right? No, that's not good enough. I want a phone. He just is just, and let me tell you, the kid is persistent when it comes, I mean, like he asks us all the time. He's not getting a phone anytime soon, so I just hate to break it to him, but he's just going to have to stay disappointed uh, as far as what he thinks is a phone. So, um, so he, he, you know, this week, uh, they've been going to summer camp all summer, and we kept them out this past week for July 4th week because Christina was going to be off a couple of days, and so uh, we kept them home, and, but they ended up going to uh, Grandmama's house for a couple of days, okay? And so they're over there hanging out, okay, my oldest two, and... Um, he likes to rummage through her house because uh, she tends to have things in drawers. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, like you just pack stuff away, you forget that things are there. And so he's just rummaging around and he finds a drawer of old phones. Jackpot. So he finds an old iPhone I, like, I, I forgot they even made them that small. I mean, they've gotten so big these days, like you forget, like the phones used to be this big. And so like, um, I mean, I remember when they were big and they were in a bag, um, but the, that's another story for another day. Uh, so anyways, he gets uh, a little phone and uh, I mean, he just thinks it's Christmas and it actually works. You know, I mean, how many of you like know that when, a, like, like, I believe all the phone companies are out to get us. Like, there's a certain amount of time that passes, and then they just break down because they, they program that thing to break down. And it's like after the two-year warranty has fallen off. Okay? It's like they know. They know. They know. It's like they program it in there when they give it to you. This is the date that it's going to crash, and then you're going to be back in here giving us another thousand bucks to get you another phone. Okay? So anyways, this one just miraculously worked, so it had to be. It was meant to be, right? And so it works, and so, you know, but it just, there's no self-service on it. It's just Wi-Fi, so it's just a glorified iPod, I guess. I mean, you know, it is an iPod. Um, what are those things, anyway? But, so he gets one, and, um, you know, when you're an iPhone user, 
and you text iPhone users, you're using iMessage, okay? And so, like, when iMessage works over Wi-Fi, you don't have to have self-service. Oh, buddy, when he found out that he could text us, let me tell you, it's all over. Like, I, my phone is blowing up right now. In my, it's not even on me right now, but it's blowing up on my watch right now because he's texting, I'm telling you, right now. Um, from the time he got it, like, I've gotten every emoji that could possibly be on the phone. And he texts me. It, it, and, I mean, he texts me. And he texts me. Okay, I come, I come up here to the church on Friday, you know, to work. And, and so I'm here. And like, I mean, I just left 20 minutes ago. 20 minutes ago. He's texting. Dad, I miss you. Dad, when you coming home? But it's not like we can say all this in one text. It's like one word. Each text. So it's da-ding, 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 da-ding. I mean, it's like, good Lord, son, like, that's enough. Okay, now here's the thing. So he asked me when I'm coming home, so I text him when I'm coming home. He texts me uh, something else, and I did not respond. You know what he does? He goes and finds mom's phone, and he calls me. And he says, Dad, you're not returning my text. I'm like, good night, son. Persistence, my friends. I'm giving you a real life story of what persistence looks like. And this morning we get up to church. He comes into the back. He's like, Dad, I don't have any Wi-Fi on the phone. You got to hook up the Wi-Fi. I hook up the Wi-Fi. He walks out the door. Guys, if I'm lying, I'm dying right now. He walks out that door and the next thing I know, bling! Oh. Dad, I miss you. I'm like, I just saw you 20 seconds ago. He's just thinking of anything he can text. He just wants to text. He just thinks he is just in, in hog heaven right now. Texting, 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 texting. But that is persistence. This is the verse that the Lord gave me this week. And it's in Psalms 34.4. And it says, he just buzzed me right then. You know, he knows I'm talking about him. It says this, I'm just kidding. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Now, I don't know what translation that you read out of. Some say, I prayed to the Lord. Some say, um, uh, uh, yeah, so there's other translations that say, I prayed to the Lord. This one in the NIV says, I sought the Lord. Now, sought is the past tense version of the word seek. Okay, so let's look at the definition of seek, which is to go in search or quest of, to try to find or discover by searching. You see, I like this translation better than I prayed to the Lord because when you read, I prayed to the Lord, that can mean just one time. I prayed and he answered me. Sometimes God doesn't answer us on the first go. Anybody got a testimony of that one? Okay. This says, I sought the Lord. Seek. I seeked the Lord. I sought the Lord. Meaning, I went on a quest to discover. I went on a journey to discover. 
and, and, and that word, when you see that, it almost gives you that feeling of like, it's not a bad thing to go in search of, to go into a quest, to go onto a journey to discover. Because there's something exciting about discovering something. That's why we have treasure hunters that go off the coast of Florida because they are just enamored by this idea that they are going to find some treasure. And so, but, but I'm, 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 I'm of the belief that they enjoy the process more than they actually enjoy finding a gold coin because they like the process. They go in search of. It is a, a, a process of discovering. And so when David is talking about, I sought the Lord, he's like, I went on a quest. I went on a journey because I'm going to discover who God is. And he answered me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. So when we go on this quest, when we go on this journey, there are things that can happen. One, he can answer us, and the other is that he can deliver us. Let's look, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Now it says this, Then teaching them more about prayer... He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I will eventually answer my son's text messages because he's shamelessly persisting that I answer him. Let's move on. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. Everyone who seeks, what? Finds. And to everyone who knocks, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, this wasn't Luke talking. This was Jesus talking. And He says, if you'll keep searching, if you'll keep seeking, if you'll keep knocking, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to open up the door for you. It will happen. Now, I like how this translation, the Passion, Passion Translation says the same passage. So let's go to that. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout, Please, do you have some food that you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly and I have nothing to serve him. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? The door's locked and my family and I are all in bed. Do you expect to get up and give you our food? 
But listen, because of your shameless impudence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get up out of his bed and give you all that you need. Go to the next one. So it is with your prayers. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door. And it will one day open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. So many times we want to treat God as if He's a slot machine. We just pull the lever and hope that it stops, and if it doesn't, then we just move on. You see, God's not just standing or sitting, just giving out stuff. He wants to be pursued. He wants to be discovered. You know, it's like when you're, when you, when you're dating and you're, and, and you're in that initial phase of, of the person that you feel like you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That there's something about the pursuit. There's something about the, 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 the quest to discover one another. And guess what? It doesn't just stop when you get married. It continues. Supposedly. Supposed to. God is a God who wants to be discovered. And He's looking for a persistent person. And you know what He says? He says every persistent person gets what He's looking for. Sometimes we would just want to pray one time and expect God to just give us that handout. But He wants us to go a little further and a little further and a little further. Because here's what I have noticed in my time with Him. Is that a lot of times what I start seeking Him for in the beginning doesn't end up being the thing that I need in the first place. So I need to go through the journey. I need to go through the quest. I need to go through the discovery process because when I get to the end, I realize that what I originally was wanting is not what I needed and what I ended up with was exactly what I needed and I would not have ever gotten there if I wasn't persistent, if I didn't want to go on the quest, if I didn't want to go on the journey. Let's go to the last 11 through 13. Let me ask you this. Do you know any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father, and I love how he says it in this translation, give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him. You see, because when we pursue him and go on this journey, this quest of discovery, and we get there, we get the fullness of who he is. We get the fullness of his Holy Spirit. We have to be ones that can say 
the same thing that David said in Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from all of my fears. I sought the Lord. I went on my quest. I went on my journey. You see, when we begin to seek the Lord, we can't just say it with our mouths. We can't just say, I'm going to seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord is not just saying something, it's actually doing something. But you know what really it starts with? Seeking the Lord starts with having a spirit of expectation. Like when, like, 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 like when, it, when, when, when you hear the verses in Luke 11... Keep on asking. The reason you keep asking is because there's expectation. Keep on knocking. The reason you keep on knocking is because there's an expectation that the door's going to open. Keep on seeking. Why? Because there's an expectation that you're going to find something. Seeking who He is starts with expectation. Do you realize that you have the ability to create with your expectancy. Let me say that one more time because I can tell. You have the ability to create through your expectation. It's called the expectant theory. Expectant theory. Has anybody ever heard of that, by the way? Expectant theory. Nobody. Great. I feel smart. It only comes around a couple times a year. So I'm just really, really excited right now. You've got to stay with me. So the expectant theory. They did this study in Japan with 13 students. Okay, 13 students. And they blindfolded them. Okay. And they told them that they were to put out their hands. So they came around the room and on their right hand, they said that we are rubbing poison ivy on your right hand. Okay. And would you know that all 13 students developed the symptoms of poison ivy? Itchiness, redness, and boils on their hand. On the left hand, they said that we're rubbing a harmless bush on your hand. And only two out of the 13 developed the same symptoms of itchiness, redness, and boils. But here's the thing. What they rubbed on their right hand was the harmless bush. But they were told that it was poison ivy. And all 13 of them got the symptoms of poison ivy. When they rubbed on the left hand, they actually rubbed poison ivy. And only two of them got the symptoms because they were told that it was a harmless bush. It's the expectant theory. So... Can I ask you something? Do you now believe that you can create with your expectancy? You see, sometimes when you go through a situation and you find that a trial comes up in your life that you did not expect, but now you expect the worst, guess what? More than likely, that is what's going to play out. But when you start with an expectation that, you know what? I know that it doesn't look great, but I still serve a God 
who loves me, who is there for me, who can walk with me through this, guess what? You'll come out on the other side actually better than you were in the beginning. Because there is this thing called the expectant theory. We have to actually expect what God says. And you know, the thing about God is that He cannot lie. So the promises that He has given us, that He has declared, they are there for the taking. But we have to expect them to happen. Even James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, verse 6 is the key. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone and do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. What James is saying here is if you're going to ask God for something, expect it to happen. But he also gives us some insight as to our ability to gain the right expectation. Which means that if we live our lives straddled on the fence and we have one foot in and one foot out, Meaning, we have one foot in saying we've got a relationship with Jesus. I love Jesus. Yes. But then I want to live my life this way. Which is counter of what's over here. But I'm going to choose to straddle the fence because I want it both ways. James tells us that when you live your life that way, there's no way that you can get to a place of expectancy for God to move in your life. Because he says that your loyalty is divided. When your loyalty is divided between God and the world, you can't have the expectancy necessary for God to move in your life. Here's something that I read this week. And it says this. I read this in a devotion. In his book, A Hunger for God, John Piper writes... If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world that your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. That's a powerful statement. There's something powerful that takes place when we willingly surrender satisfaction in the world to make space for more of God. Because God loves to respond to our hunger. In His patience, He waits for us to cry out to Him to bring us into the fullness of what He has for us. But in this pursuit of us, He constantly whispers from His Spirit to ours, beckoning us to give up the rags of this world for the riches that come through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. So 
So number one, to seek the Lord, you've got to have the expectation. David said, I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from my fears. You have to have an expectation that He's going to move. You have to have an expectation that the promises that He's already declared are there for the taking. And the second thing is this, as Christina comes back up, you've got to do something you've never done. I've heard it said like this, if you want something you've never had, you've got to be willing to do something you've never done. You know, when I think about that, I think about a couple of people in Scripture. Number one is David. I think of David. You know, David was one that if you read in 1 Samuel 17, and you can read this on your own time, he's getting ready to go face Goliath. And everybody's like, man, what are you doing, David? Like, you're, 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 you're just, you've lost it. Like, like, you're the smallest one. You don't have any armor. You haven't even trained for war. You're not going to go up against this guy. You don't stand a chance. And what David said is, here's what you don't know. Don't you just love it when people make assumptions about you? And then they don't know the whole story? People were making a lot of assumptions about David. You know, sometimes when people make assumptions on us, that can stop us in our tracks, but not when you're hearing from the Lord. Not when you're walking in relationship with Him. Because it doesn't matter what other people think at that point in time. You're just moving the way that He wants you to move, doing the things you want, He wants you to do, saying the things He wants you to say. So... David's here, and you know what he tells Saul? He tells Saul, he goes, look, I've taken care of bears and lions from my sheep. And I've defeated them. If I can take care of them, I can take care of this guy. Now, here's what I think about David. Think about this. Because I think if we dive deep into that little part, Let's think about this. David is a young kid. He's a kid, for crying out loud. A young kid taking care of the father's sheep because he's the youngest of the family and he gets that opportunity. But it's not really an opportunity. It's like the worst job in the house, right? But he's got to take care of all these dumb sheep because that's what they are. They're dumb animals. They, you know, I mean, he's got to make sure. And so when he's doing this and he sees a lion or a bear or a tiger, or whatever it is, coming towards his sheep. I don't know about you, but I would be like, okay, uh, lion, I'll give you one sheep. I mean, because like I've got like all these other ones, I can sacrifice one just to get out of this pickle. Okay, so why don't you just take one, I'll feed you it, and then I'm getting out of here. And don't look at me like y'all would be what David is. Y'all know y'all would be like me and feeding them, uh, you know, if they wanted to, take two. I don't care. You know, like, I just want you out of here. Like, but that's what we do in life. That's what we do in life. When things begin to get a little hard, when things get a little difficult, when we get situations that we don't expect, we're willing to sacrifice a little bit of things instead of getting what God wants us to get. But David... He made a different choice. And it was because he was 
a man after God's own heart. He had relationship with God. He believed that God could deliver him out of anything. And so when he saw the lion coming or the bear coming, he didn't think twice. He said, it's on, buddy. You're not taking any of my sheep because they're my responsibility. This is the place God has put me. I might not like it, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm going to do it with excellence. And I'm going to be the man of God that you've called me to be. And anything that tries to attack it, bring it on because I'm right here. And that's exactly what he did. If he doesn't have that experience... He does not defeat Goliath. David had to be willing to do something he's never done to get to a place that he's never been. And the same is true for you and I. we got to be willing to do something that we've never done to get to a place that we've never been. You know, sometimes we think, oh man, this is just it. This is how my relationship with God is. No, there's always more. But you got to be willing to do more to get to a place that you've never been. You know, if God's Word says He inhabits the praises of His people, but we're going to stand here like this, what is that? Like, I mean, it doesn't work that way. We've actually got to do something with it. It also makes me think about the woman with the issue of blood. Here she is. She's had this issue for 12 years. She can't get it under control. She's been to every professional that she can go to. She's been, I mean, she's tried it all. She's tried everything to get rid of it. And yet she hears that Jesus is passing by. And guess what? There was no precedent set before that said, if you just touch Jesus' clothes, that you're going to get healed. She had to be willing to do something that has never been done to get to a place that she had never been. And she didn't care what she looked like to get there. She got on her hands and knees, which was undignified in that day, and she got herself to Jesus' feet, touched the hem of His garment, and boom, she was healed. It also makes me think about this guy called Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. You can go ahead and throw that up, because I'm actually going to read this one. He goes, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and His disciples left town, a large crowd followed Him, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Verse 47 is so powerful. Because this is the game changer for him. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Here's the thing. You're near Jesus all the time, but are you willing to shout? People tell him to shut, their, shut his mouth. Because you're, you're crazy. You're a madman. You're, you're just a blind beggar. You, you're not worth anything. But he didn't let that stop him. He kept going because he was persistent. You know, sometimes we've got to care less what other people think. Because most of the time, they're not even thinking what you think they're thinking. You've got to be willing to do what you've never done to get to a place that you've never been. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many other people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, 
David said, I have sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me of all of my fears. Bartimaeus was seeking the Lord right here. There was an expectation because he heard that Jesus was there, so he was going to shout. You know what? We don't know what the noise level was like there. We don't know if he was actually uh, uh, loud enough the first go around, but obviously he was, he was making a little bit of a scene, enough for people to tell him to be quiet, but he said, no, I'm going to make even a more of a scene because this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I might not get another opportunity. Jesus might not ever travel this road again so i gotta be as loud as i possibly can jesus have mercy on me and jesus heard him you see when jesus hears you he doesn't have a choice but to respond you know why because you're the joy that is set before him that he endured the cross to die the death that he died and to raise from the grave he did that for you so when you begin to cry he's got no other response then to respond so they called the blind man cheer up come on he's calling you Bartimaeus threw aside his coat jumped up came to Jesus what do you want me to do for you Jesus asked my rabbi the blind man said I want to see Jesus said to him go for your faith has healed you instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road and we get to read about Bartimaeus because he was willing to do something that he had never done to get to a place that he had never been but what about those other people that told him to be quiet what was their problem maybe they said maybe they needed to go Jesus son of David have mercy on my marriage Maybe they needed to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on my addiction. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on my depression. Jesus, son of David, have have mercy on whatever you fill in the blank. But none of those people were willing to go to a place that they had never been or to do something that they've never done. And because of that, they stayed exactly in their same spot today I'm telling you today is not the day to let Jesus pass by today's not the day to just say you know what it's somebody else's turn it's Bartimaeus's turn it's not my turn don't get yourself to that place of thinking because today is the day that I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me of all of my fears You see, because I know some of you are in this place today thinking, oh, I'm good, I'm good. There's somebody in a worse shape than I am, so I'm good. I'm just going to stay placed. I'm not going to move. I'm not being, you know what? But that's hogwash. I don't care if you came in here with a hangnail. Jesus wants to touch your life. But yet we just allow him to pass by. All the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. I started off the message by saying God desires to speak to us all the time and we miss out on so many opportunities because we're not tuned in. Guess what? We're here every week and He passes by. He passes by this place every single week. But are we willing to do something we've never done to get to a place that we've never been with Him? So as you all stand,